This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. This summer, we are studying the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Bob Bunn. Bob edits our leader guide, quick source, and the leader pack, so he's uh, he is really valuable to our team. Bob, thank you for being a part of this today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. Today we're looking at session five, which is going to be on the passage, Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 12. So this passage, we are going to look at Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. In the first part of the passage, verses 1 through 4, God directed Jeremiah to watch a potter work. At that point, Jeremiah noticed that when a jar became flawed, the potter remade the clay into a new jar that better fit his design and purposes. Next, in the next set of verses, God told Jeremiah that he is sovereign and in control of what happens to his people. In addition, God's righteous character demands that his response to humans be based on their response to him. He reminded Jeremiah that if a nation repents and turns to him, he will forgive them. But if a nation rejects God, he will cease blessing them. Finally, in verses 11 and 12, God warned the people of Judah and Jerusalem to prepare for his judgment. He called on them to repent from their sin, but pointed out that they would stubbornly reject his offer because of their evil hearts. The summary statement for this entire uh, lesson today is God is in control, shaping his people for his purposes. Bob, let's let's talk about some questions that group members may have. Didn't Jeremiah make use of other object lessons in his prophetic ministry? Can you tell us about that? He did. Uh, and actually, he's not alone. If you read through the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel had tons of, of object lessons or or these these what we call enacted prophecies where you kind of mm-hmm. act out something to, to, to get the message across. And we actually have a pack item uh, that in this in this for this lesson, uh, pack item 11, I believe it is, that lists some of these enacted prophecies from uh, the book of Jeremiah. For instance, in, in Jeremiah chapter 13, God told, tells Jeremiah to, to go out and buy basically a pair of underwear. And so he goes and he buys a, a waistband uh, and he, he says, okay, go all the way out to the Euphrates River, which would have been close to Babylon, would have been quite a bit away from Israel. Go out to the Euphrates River, bury it by the river, and then come back later. And so about a year later, he comes back. And of course, the, the, the underwear is ruined. It's, it's, it's soiled. It's torn. It's, it's just all messed up. And, and the point that God was saying was, this is what's going to happen to Israel. Uh, this because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of their idolatry, they have they have gone from what was useful and clean to something that was that was uh, that was worthless, and and because of that, he they were going to face his judgment. And then John chapter John Jeremiah chapter nineteen, uh, which is the next chapter over from what we're looking at, uh, he he tells Jeremiah to go to the potter's house to buy some to buy a, a pot uh, a jar a clay jar that's been hardened and was useful and to take um, 
take the folks out to the take the leaders out to the to the Valley of Hinnom and just shatter the jar, just slam it down and shatter it because that's what was going to happen to Israel because of their sin, because of their idolatry, all the things that we mentioned before. They were going to be shattered. They were going to be broken. They were going to be damaged. Um, and in Jeremiah 27, uh, he, he, Jeremiah actually carries a yoke on his neck. Now, that was the, the big piece of wood that, that would guide oxes as they would work down the fields in an agricultural society. And so Jeremiah is walking around with this huge yoke on his neck, and he, and he basically crashes a meeting, a secret meeting with some kings and says, hey, if you all don't, if you all don't put yourselves under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, God is going to judge you more harshly. Um, and then finally, one of the last ones in, in Jeremiah is in chapter 32, where God tells him to go and buy a field that once belonged to his family. And God, that's a hopeful prophecy because God says, one of these days, this field is going to be valuable again. Right now, the Babylonians are around. They're, they've devastated everything. They're going to come back. They're going to devastate even more. But there's a day coming when all these, all this property, all this land was going to be valuable. It was going to be fruitful. It was going to be uh, plentiful again. And so this is this was a symbol of hope. So yeah, he, he he used these parables or these these object lessons or these enacted prophecies, whatever you want to call them, because they really got the message across. In fact, uh, you know, Jesus, of course, used a lot of parables, and and the, the Christian Standard Bible even has a heading above. Uh, above chapter 18 that says this is the parable of the potter <laughs> and mm-hmm, so it, mm-hmm. you know it's it, it, that's the kind of thing that the jeremiah and other prophets used to really make an impression on people to make it memorable uh, to 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 give them a message that they could not forget even though they were kind of lax and kind of lazy and tend to forget <laughs> anyway or at least ignore or refuse to yes. believe what the message right. was, but they couldn't deny that the message had been delivered. Yeah, I am so glad you mentioned that pack item because I had written myself a note to mention it as well. It's so, it's a great, uh, it's a handout. It's a great little list that kind of talks about these visual uh, lessons that Jeremiah used or that God uh, spoke through Jeremiah to deliver messages to his people. And it is fascinating. Um, yeah, it's really, really interesting and obviously was meant to to gain their attention and to really relay the message that the Lord wanted them to hear. And so it was it was a visual, a visual aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually uh, even as we were recording this earlier in the year, it's, it's summertime now, but when people listen, but, you know, we're recording this early in the year. And so I'm actually this weekend getting ready to teach a lesson as part of our uh, a children's event at our church. And so I'm trying to figure out, I know what the text is. I know what the lesson is, but I've got to figure out the best way to grab their attention. And I'm really yes. thinking about object lessons and, and enacted prophecies, if you want to think of it in that way, to, to get these fifth and sixth graders to to really latch on to what I'm trying to tell them in a way that they're going to understand and a way they're going to remember. So it's something we're still, there's it's still a great teaching method today. It is. It really is. That's a great, it's a great point. Uh, okay. So Another question someone may ask, and it's related to verse 10, does God change his mind? What does it mean in verse 10 that he would relent on what he said? Yeah, relent or uh, the King James says repent, which Mm -hmm. has a a, a totally different connotation that we probably need to to deal with first. Um, 
because this idea of repentance we tend to think of in terms of sin we turn it means turning going in a different direction uh, i think most a lot of our listeners will probably know that but uh, it raises especially for king king james users it raises the question, well, did God do something wrong <laughs> that he has to turn right. around, that he has to change it? And the answer is no, obviously. Repent just means turning. It means a change. It means uh, shifting a direction. It's when, when we talk about humans repenting, it is typically within that, that sinful kind of context. But with mm-hmm. God, uh, it, obviously God is perfect. God is sinless. It's not going to happen with him. So it, it, it just means that, that, that something changes. Now, the question is, does God change? And again, the answer is no. Um, there's a theological term for that. It's called the immutability of God. If you want to yes. get fancy and some of our leaders may want to throw out a, a really impressive theological question, they can talk about the immutability of God. Um, basically, it means God doesn't change. God never could change. Um, Which is good it, news. <laughs> oh, it's great news. <laughs> yeah. It's great news. Uh, you know, because and really it was something that was unique to God in that culture. Because even though there are a ton of false gods and there are a ton of idols and, and paganism and all that stuff, around, none of those gods, if you assume that they were real, which they weren't, but if you assume that they're real, none of those gods were consistent. None of them were steady. Mm-hmm. All of them were capricious. All of them were basically kind of uh, – they responded the way they wanted to respond, and they didn't care and, and all that stuff, whereas you never knew what you were getting with them. But God – time and time and time again shows his faithfulness not only to his people but to his word mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know we we talk about how great god is about fulfilling his promises and fulfilling pro- prophecies and predictions but just god's character doesn't allow him to be anything else because the moment that he he stops being consistent stops being immutable then he stops being god yes. and so that's not going to happen <laughs> okay so so what's he mean well, basically, it's not so much that God changes, which he doesn't. It's it's that he responds differently to the way we behave. Yes. And so, you know, God, God says, okay, here's the deal. You have this choice or you have this choice. You have plan A, you have plan B. You have this road or you have this road. You choose what you want to do. You choose where you want to go. And I will I will guarantee you if you go this way, there's going to be this result. If you go this way, there's going to be this consequence. And so God lays it out before them. And that's what the prophets did throughout the Old Testament. It's what Jeremiah mm-hmm. did. It's what the other prophets did. They basically said, if you will obey God and you will honor him, and you will submit to him, and you will humble yourself before him, and you will do all the things that he calls you to do. I mean, even back from the time of Moses, he was saying this thing. Yeah. That if you will, if you will do it this way, then God will bless you. God will watch over you. God will protect you. God will, will be your God, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and he, you will make a difference in the world. But if you choose this way, if you go away from him, if you ignore him, if you reject him, then there's going to be a negative consequence. There's going to be punishment. There's going to be, there's going to be exile. There's going to be suffering, and there's going to be destruction and despair and all these things. And so God just basically laid it all out for them. And then as they chose, God would respond the way he faithfully said he would respond. Now, yeah. here's the thing. And, I, and when I was thinking about this, my mind went back to, I know this is summertime, but my mind went back to uh, Charles Dickens' great short story, A Christmas Carol, or novella, he's a novella, I guess, A Christmas Carol. Because uh, for one thing, it's one of my favorite Christmas stories. But there's a scene in the book 
if you if you if you've only seen the movies, you may not have caught this, but it's in the book uh, that where Scrooge is near the end. Scrooge is is with the ghost of Christmas future, and he's in the graveyard, and he's actually the ghost has commanded him to wipe the snow away from a grave, a tomb, a headstone, and. And Scrooge is kind of getting the idea that it might be his. <laughs> and so he's he's finally, it's finally, this whole Christmas thing is finally clicked with him and the importance of observing Christmas and honoring Christmas. In his heart. And he says this, and it's, it's Victorian English, so we'll break it down in a second. But he says, men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, then the ends will change. So basically, Scrooge is saying anybody who goes in a certain direction is moving toward a certain end, moving toward a certain goal. But if you change that direction and you start acting a different way, then those change those those ends will change as well. And that's exactly what God is saying here in this passage. If you continue to go down this way, you're going to face punishment. I'm going to guarantee it. I'm going to promise you that. But if you change, if you if you repent of your sin, if you turn from from your idolatry and turn back to me, then I will also promise you that something better will happen, something mm-hmm. greater, something something more of a blessing will, will pour out on you. And so, it's not that God never change. God never changes His mind. God never alters who He is. He never He never compromises His character. But the results will change based on how we respond to him. And that's really what he's talking about in, in, in verse 10. Which I think is, it's important to point out. I hope, I hope there is that discussion in uh, your Bible study group this week, because I think there's this idea that even maybe among Christians, God is in control. He's sovereign. He is uh, over all things. He has all authority. But it is a whole other thing to recognize that he is aware when I am obedient and when I am disobedient. <laughs> and when I turn back to be obedient to him, he recognizes that. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it is another level, I think, of, of the personal nature of the Lord um, that maybe can be not uh, denied, but maybe Oh, maybe forgotten. <laughs> you know, I think so. No, he he knows when his people are obedient and when they are not, when they are faithful and when they are unfaithful. Yeah, we have this idea sometimes that God will let things slide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. he'll understand. He'll understand this one time. Yeah, no, I have all these other doesn't. things. Yeah, <laughs> but he really doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't understand sin. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't let it slide. He will. He said he will punish it, and he will punish it. But he will also bless those who. Yes. Who bless and follow him. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a, because he doesn't change because he's immutable. It's a great blessing. It's a great comfort. It's a, exactly. Um, okay. Let's take a look. Chap, we are, our primary study passage is in chapter 18, but can you talk a little bit about the com- comparing and contrasting chapter 18 to chapter 19? Because they both include this, um, this idea of a potter and the pottery uh, in his, that he has made. Yeah, of course, we're looking at the first few years of chapter 18 in this session, but 
chapter 19 is part of the background yes. and i would encourage folks to continue to look at the background uh for all of our passages uh one of the great ways to do this i'll just kind of put a plug out there for this is uh our bible reading plan in all of our resources there's a bible reading plan for the entire quarter and so that while we can only catch a certain number of verses each week you know we basically have 12 weeks to do the entire book of, of jeremiah and then one week to do ecclesiastes or not ecclesiastes but but lamentations later uh you can catch all these background passages by doing our bible reading plan and so you know i would encourage folks to do that i don't think it's an accident that these two passages are next to each other i think sometimes god led the writers of scripture mm -hmm. to put things together side by side so that they, we could compare so we could contrast and that's what i see in, in chapters 18 and 19 on one hand chapter 18 is is the best case scenario mm -hmm. of what could happen with israel chapter 19 is the worst case scenario of what could happen with israel in chapter 18 we talk we see god's sovereignty you mentioned that a minute ago he's the potter we're the clay he has the right to do whatever he wants to with our lives. He knows exactly how he's wired us. He knows exactly how he shaped us. And he knows exactly what's best for us. And that's great. Chapter 19, we see God's judgment. Mm -hmm. Rather than his sovereignty, we see his judgment. We see how, uh, how you know, Israel was going to be shattered, how Israel was going to be broken, how Israel was going to be uh, essentially destroyed, at least temporarily as a nation about mm -hmm. being sent into exile and so you know he, he, these two things are side by side another thing that, that's kind of interesting about chapter 19 um is where where, where jeremiah took them mm -hmm. uh, he took them chapter 18 occurs in the house of the potter and you can just imagine if you've ever seen by somebody working with pottery it's just it's fascinating to watch um i don't know i couldn't do it <laughs> i don't have the coordination i don't think to do it but chapter 19 occurs in a place called the valley of hinnom and that was a, a valley uh, just south of jerusalem outside the city walls but significantly in israelite history it was a place of idolatry uh, a lot of the false worship that was taking place during the monarchy in israel in the southern kingdom was happening there in the valley of Hinnom. in fact even to the extent that that human sacrifice was taking place uh in in that valley and so really what you have there is is a picture of israel at its very worst um this is this is as bad as it got <laughs> for from a human perspective uh and so this is why i, I think god brought them brought the leaders and to this place uh to this 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 place that in their minds would have they would have equated with idolatry and all the crazy sacrificial stuff that was going on and so it would have been a it would have been an object lesson for them in a sense and so jeremiah takes them there to this place and he shatters this jar to 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 illustrate the brokenness and the 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 destruction that was going to come on the people and so you know god places these things side by side in scripture and so we're able to see hey as long as we're flexible as long as we're moldable as long as we continue to to allow god to shape us and to make us yeah we're going to make mistakes we're you know the the potter may have to kind of break it all down and make it into clay again and start all over again with us there may be mistakes there's going to be mistakes. Uh, we're human. 
It's not, there's no way to avoid that. But as long as we're moldable and submissive to the father's hands, to the potter's hands, then he, we can be useful to him. He can make something of us. But if we let ourselves get hard, like these jars that were already hardened at the potter's house, then we become, we actually become fragile. Uh, we become breakable. Um, and it doesn't take much. If you've ever had a ceramic jar, <laughs> it doesn't take much to crash it. I, my, my, my wife's aunt, her great aunt, used to hand paint uh, these little figurine kind of things, little teapots and little things like this. Well, I was running, I was moving something the other day and I knocked over a shelf from some of those and they just shattered. And I felt terrible. And she was like, don't worry about it. She was very gracious. <laughs> but, but it was just an illustration of how fragile that kind of stuff is. Um, the ceramics and the, and, the, and the pottery kind of stuff. And God says, hey, you might think you're strong, but you're going you're gonna to mm -hmm. crack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to be broken. And so it's really a choice for us to make. And we talked about yeah. that a minute ago, which path, you gonna, which path are you going to take? It's another great visual, right? Like another great visual mm -hmm. uh, lesson for the people to consider mm -hmm. and keep in mind. Yes. What can believers do to embrace God's authority and sovereignty in our lives? Really, the answer is the Sunday school answer. Um, God was not a, God was not calling Israel or Judah to do something supernatural. He wasn't talking about doing something monumental. He was just asking them to be obedient, to, to do what he'd been asking them to do for centuries. And he just, it, it, the broken record, just go repeat, repeat, repeat. I want you to obey. I want you to honor. I want you to submit. I want you to, to be who I want you to be, who I created you to be. And that's really all he was asking. And that's all he asked of us as well. You know, God's not God. God's not asking us to do miracles. Uh, he's not asking us to walk on water. You know, He's asking us just to be simply be faithful, to simply be obedient. So, how do we do that? Well, it's the Sunday school answers. It's it's studying the Bible. It's spending time in prayer. It's fellowshipping with other believers and allowing yourself to be held accountable by those folks when when you step out of line. Those are the things that those are the squirrels that we ignore mm -hmm. sometimes. Or that we just we think it's too yeah. simplistic, but that's exactly how you submit to the sovereignty of God, how you allow his authority to rule who you are and what you do is by doing those little things. Um, we know in our heads that should be our moral fabric. That should be who we are every day. But but making it making it so is harder. Putting it into application, putting it into mm -hmm. um May, uh, you know, the practical side of things, that can be a little more tricky sometimes. But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. It, it might be hard, but it's it's worth it <laughs> in the end. Yeah. What should be encouraging to believers in this passage? Well, I think there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think this whole idea of, of, of being clay in a potter's hand and, and God's interaction with my life, his intersection with my life is just the, the fact that he cares enough to be the potter and to, to, to deal with me as a lump of clay. That's incredibly encouraging. Yes. Um, to, to the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for me is incredibly important. Um, you know, he knows me. 
He knows who I am. He knows he created me. <laughs> you know, and you go back to Psalm 139 from my mother's womb. He needed me together. He knows who I am and he knows what I can do. And he knows that I have potential. Uh, and so, you know, he's, he's focused on, on helping me become the best version of myself. And that's incredibly encouraging. Um, I also love the idea that our mistakes don't necessarily mean we're useless to God. Yes. You know, he, he can, it, yes, they're, they're, we mentioned them a minute ago, we're going to make mistakes and there may have to be some remodeling. If you want to think of it that way, uh, some, some changes, uh, there may have to, we may have to come back down to scratch and start all over again, but you know, the fact is that God, God is a God of second chances. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're, as we said earlier, as long as we're moldable, as long as we're flexible, um, you know, we can do, we can do incredible things through God. Yeah. Um, and he wants us to do that. Um, and, and we can, we can't forget that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we've talked through this passage, one key doctrine that comes out that is listed in the daily discipleship guide and the personal study guide is a key doctrine of who God is. Uh, God is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being. He's our creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. He is, he is over all things. He has no match and no rival. Uh, and then it has two more passages that your group can look up to study that a little further. But it is a it, it may seem simple as a key doctrine, but I think this is really worth pointing out because there are many who who don't recognize that God is God is God and that He is the one who is over all things and all powerful. And so, it is a it is a valuable reminder of who Scripture teaches us that He is. So don't miss don't miss that um, key doctrine. Thank you so much for being with us today, Bob. You always do a great job. Is are, do you have any other thoughts or comments you want to add? Now, I would just encourage leaders and in, in to uh, first of all, leaders, we talk about leaders teach from the overflow mm-hmm. of their own lives. So as they are preparing, they need to really evaluate their own moldability, <laughs> their own their own flexibility, and then encourage their the folks in their classes, their students, their their learners to do the same. Sometimes we can think we're we're really, really flexible. And then we're not. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the old guy who gets out on the softball field and then pulls a muscle because he doesn't. He's not nearly as flexible as he thought he was, or used as he to be. He was. Um, <laughs> yes, used to be. Yes, yeah, because we tighten up over time, we harden up over time, and so it, it can be easy to deceive ourselves. One of the other principles in Jeremiah is that the the human heart is deceptive and wicked beyond all measure, and we can we can trick ourselves pretty easily. So use this time, use this preparation to really dig deep. And don't run away from the hard questions uh, that this lesson can raise and encourage your folks to do the same. That's great. That's a great thought. Thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com. That is A-M-B-E-R dot V-A-D-E-N at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question or if I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who, who does. Uh, join us next week as we look at session six, uh, where we'll be studying Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. And our guest hosts will be Dwayne McCreary and Gia Thornburg.